0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, media and PR coach, copywriter, editor and proofreader and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content, events and training platform providing success tips for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. In this episode, I interview Karen Brighton, event planner and founder of Veg Speed Date in Ontario, Canada. After working with Canada's largest event planning company, JPDL, Karen started her own company, Karen Brighton Events, in 2009, based out of San Francisco, California. Karen has more than a decade of experience in producing and planning events, including the renowned San Francisco Vegan Iron Chef, Berkeley Vegan Earth Day, weddings, and more. Her latest project is Veg Speed Date, a speed dating service exclusively for vegan and vegetarian singles. She started planning speed dating events in San Francisco five years ago before launching Veg Speed Date in January 2017. VegSpeed Speed Date events have been running successfully in cities across North America since February 2017, providing an intimate atmosphere for 30 people to connect and get to know each other in the hope of finding that someone special. In this interview, Karen discusses some of the challenges involved in running an event and how to handle them, the key things to consider before you decide to run an event, when to start promoting your event, the two key marketing strategies that have been most successful in getting ticket sales to veg speed date, what to do on the day of the event to ensure it runs as smoothly as possible, three things it's important to do after you've held an event, how she manages to run successful events in different cities without necessarily being there herself, how to get people to book tickets to your events well in advance, and much more. Here's the interview with Karen Brighton of Veg Speed Date. Hello, Karen. Lovely to uh, have you join me today. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear about your, well, your new business or fairly newish business that you've been doing, um, veg speed date. Um, but also, yeah, to get, cause you're a very experienced, um, event manager. So really looking forward to, um, yeah, hearing your thoughts on success or how we can run successful events. But first to kick off, I always like to ask everyone why they do what they do. So I know you've been in event management for a long time and now you're, you're running the, the veg speed date events. Tell us about your why, why you do what you do.
1: Well, I've always have, I've always had a passion for event planning. And when I started my own business, I really wanted to combine event planning with my passion for veganism as well. And that's kind of how I originally came up with the idea is doing vegan events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So it kind of started with that, and I really, really enjoy being able to provide a service for the vegan community that does not exist. Um, I've really, truly enjoyed putting on the big events that I have. I've uh, put on Berkeley Vegan Earth Day event. I created and founded that event uh, for five years, and then the Vegan Iron Chef event for three years, and now that speed date. So whether it's a big or small event... I really enjoy being able to uh, create those unique experiences for the customers that might not otherwise be available to them.
0: Fantastic. I love that. And I I love that you're doing, uh, you know, live events because everybody's sort of like, oh, everything's online now and we can hang out online and do these virtual things. And that's all nice and that can be great. But I think there's nothing quite like getting together in real life and actually, you know, making those um, offline connections. So I, I love that you do that. That's great. So, tell us a little bit about some of the challenges in running events.
1: So, every event is different. So, they all have their own challenges, but some of the more general things that uh, that you can consider is that you really need to be able to expect the un- unexpected and be prepared to handle it. Uh, so with events, there's a lot of last minute changes that can happen. So cancellations, people not showing up, uh, important deliveries not arriving on time, things like that. So you really need to be able to think on your feet. Yeah. Also budget. Budget is often a big thing for people. So you have to be able to work with the budget that you have. And that really determines um, what, you know, what you can and, and cannot do. And you really want to be realistic about your skills, uh, what you can handle doing and when you should be outsourcing.
0: Mm, Yeah, that's a really, a really good point. So on that um, subject, what kind of skills are required to plan an event successfully, whether it's a smaller event or larger event and whether there are any differences between the two as well?
1: So and that's what I've often told my clients is that whether it's small or big, it's the same thing because to some to some level of course a bigger event is going to be more work but the uh, essential components are the same so in order to to be able to run a really successful event you have to be extremely organized you have to be able to balance multiple projects at once you have to have great management skills communication marketing uh thorough follow up of people people skills professionalism so a lot goes into planning successful events.
0: Right, got it. So can you take us through some of the things that vegan business owners interested in holding their own events, you know, um, need to consider? So before, during and after the event. So um, I know you talked about and we'll put a link to this in the show notes page, you actually wrote a fabulous uh, blog post for veganbusinessmedia.com when it launched. um, And you covered some of these things. I wonder if you could just kind of take us through some of those key things that we need to do before, during and after an event.
1: Sure. So before an event, you really want to establish what your objectives are. So you want to ask yourself, what are you trying to get out of, out of this event? Are you trying to do this to build more customers, get more exposure, to showcase a product or a service? If your goal, uh, if your objective is more to create an edu- educational experience um, or you're just wanting to put on for the fun of it, all these answers will really set the tone for how you are planning the event. Another thing to consider beforehand, which is very, very important, is your budget. So are you hoping to generate a profit from the event or break even or the cost as a business expense? Will you charge an entry fee, ask for donations, make it a free event? So all these questions will help you plan out the budget. Mm. other other thing to consider is when to host your event so you want to think carefully about the date so what season you're doing it in whether it's an indoor or outdoor event you also want to consider if there are other big events happening in your city so if there's a big veg festival happening you probably would not want to plan your event on that date because (laughs) your main target would Probably be at the festival. So really, really important to do your research and figure out the best timing of the event, which is difficult. It's, it's definitely something that I'm even still trying to figure out is which day of the week works better, what time, uh, weeknight versus weekend. So lots of, lots of different uh, factors to consider. Something else also that you want to think about is where to host your event, so the type of venue. And the type of venue will pretty much uh, be determined by your budget because some venues can be extremely expensive. Um, and again, if you need something that's indoor, outdoor, the location is really important, especially if you're trying to get a lot of foot traffic. You probably want to be somewhere where people are seeing you. Um, so that those, those are definitely, you know, things that you want to consider. And then. Another important thing to do before the event is set a timeline, so a detailed timeline for the event itself of what's going to happen and when so that you have a plan and that you're able to follow it on the day of the event.
0: Got it. Now so during it's... What what do you mean by that? So when you say that so like if you if you were planning, say a month in advance or two months in advance, you mean you would have like dates to say, right, by this date I've got to complete this task. Is that what you mean? Yeah.
1: Yes, so I always have uh, a detailed plan of what needs to do and when, um, in terms by month by month by month, and also week by week. But then also on the day of. So on the day of, you want to have a, a plan that you share with other with other people that are running the event with you. If you have any volunteers or staff or vendors. So they know what time the door is open, what time the setup is, what time there's a break, what time the speaker is going on. So it's a, a detailed plan for the day itself so Got that it. you have this this guideline um, that, that you follow throughout the day.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Okay. Yes.
1: And then during the event, now, of course, this is going to be different based on what kind of event that you're doing, but some general things that you would want to consider is you want it to arrive early to make sure that the room is properly set up and you want to give yourself enough time so that you're not feeling rushed because being late for something, especially for the event, is never good.
0: Yeah. (laughs) When
1: when you get to the event, you want to check with your venue contact and go over any important details, any last-minute changes, and just kind of run through that timeline that you've put together Make sure that they're aware of, of what's happening and, and the, the important thing. If you have any volunteers or staff, you want to make sure that they are all there, all on time, and that they know what they're supposed to be doing and when, and you want to check with them throughout the day. And most importantly, you always want to conduct yourself in a professional manner, no matter what happens or whatever you are faced with. With events, there's all different kinds of things that can happen, unhappy customers, uh, some important key players not showing up and impacting the event. So always having a smile on your face and remaining in control <laughs> and just being able to deal with it, which is extremely difficult.
0: Right. I know I'm just laughing because the last time I held a, a business, one of these uh, business meet, meetups for vegan business owners and we couldn't get the PowerPoint to work and inwardly I was like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, but I was kind of like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. And it, I was just kind of laughing when you say that because like you say, outwardly you're smiling and inwardly you're like, ha ha, screaming. Oh, I know. <laughs> during
1: during one of the Vegan Iron supper events, the power went out right before the competition <gasps> started oh, and we were God. live streaming.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes, so that
1: was extremely stressful.
0: (laughs) I can imagine. Wow. But you just have to kind of, uh, yeah, I guess you just have to be upfront with people and honest. Because I was going to ask, you know, what have, like, for example, say you've got an event, it's a relatively smallish event, and you've got, like, one key speaker, and the speaker, like, literally cancels at the last minute, so they have an emergency, and they cancel, like, an hour before. I'm just kind of curious, like, how do you sort of get around that especially if you couldn't get somebody else to fill in like what would you do in that circumstance
1: i mean that does happen i actually that happened to me uh one year at the berkeley vegan earthly event uh one of the top speakers his car broke down and he lived pretty far away and unfortunately i just had to apologize and, and explain to people and fortunately i had somebody else at the last minute that could step in but people are usually understanding that things do happen that are out of your control, and you just have to make the best out of the situation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Great. Excellent. Oh, this is uh, this is good stuff. Fantastic. Yeah. So, so it's and really then, being and prepared is what I'm hearing from you.
1: Definitely, you cannot be too prepared for anything when it comes to events. You want to be <laughs> over prepared. Have a plan B. And really uh, try to be on top of things as much as you can. And then in regards to after the event, uh, and this is something that I always do after I, I finish an event, is I get feedback from the participants, from the speakers, from the volunteers to try to get to gather as much information as possible to determine what worked and what didn't. And then you want to decide after if you want to do the event again, if it was successful based on your objectives, uh, if they were met or not. Uh, you want to thank everyone who was involved, especially if you have sponsors say, um, sponsors or partners or volunteers, anyone that has really been uh, involved with the event and has been very helpful, you want to take the time to thank them. And then you also want, right after the event, to take down notes, um, your own personal notes of how you thought it went and how you can improve in the future.
0: Got it. Now, when you say get feedback, Karine, do you mean in terms of like, would you give them like a printed form at the end of it to take well, like to fill out then and there? Or would you do more of a follow-up by email? Or would you use SurveyMonkey or just an email asking them, how do you recommend people get feedback for an event?
1: I personally try to be as paperless as possible, so I do not do paper surveys. So SurveyMonkey is fantastic. Google Forms is also a great one. Um, and that's, I've, I've always done, uh, the one of the two, and I, I do that right now as well for my dating events. Uh, when someone submits their match form, there's a, a box that says, do you have feedback about the event? And that feedback is just so invaluable to be able to just keep, um, Improving more and more on these events and listen to people and they really, really care when you take the time to do that. Um I really found that when some, if sometimes we've had a couple people that have been dissatisfied with certain elements of the event and we took the time to reply and explained and they were just so surprised that we were actually replying to them and that we were nice people uh, <laughs> and they, they were just so grateful and we turned around, we turned a bad situation into a great one.
0: I love that. I mean, on the one hand, it's a little bit sad that, that it's so surprising that people get back and are nice, but, but on the other hand, it's great <laughs> that you can, yeah. yeah, turn something like that around. That's really great advice. Fantastic. So one thing I've found with even organizing just small scale events, like I mentioned, like the, the meetups is that, you know, some people book ahead of time and that's great, but many people leave it till the last minute. And look, I'm guilty of that myself for certain events as well. And it, as an event organizer, it can be quite terrifying because especially you know, if you've you, you booked an event, you've often got to either at least put a deposit down or even pay for the venue in advance and and you want to make sure you get enough people to cover it. So I'm just wondering, if, what tips have you got in regards to encouraging people to book as early as, like earlier rather than last minute?
1: So you definitely want to start promoting the event as early as possible. So starting a week or two or three is Definitely not sufficient, especially depending on the size of your event. You want to start as early as you can. For our speed dating events, we start promoting a month in advance. And, of course, it happens with every event. The majority of ticket sales usually happen the week of the event, which does make it stressful. Mm-hmm. However, there are ways um, and has been very effective for us is to have a tiered ticketing price system. So you'll have an early bird pricing and then regular and then day or week of pricing. So it's kind of an incentive for people to reserve early. And if you have limited spots, like we do, our events are only uh, between 20 and 30 people because we advertise that. So we tell people, Hey, there's only 20 spots available. So again, you're trying to create a sense of urgency so that people realize if they wait too long, the event might be sell out, uh, might sell out. And the other, um, the other thing that you can try is to offer incentives. So you could say the first 20 people to buy a ticket will get a free gift bag. So that's also uh, things that I have done in the past that have been successful.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was going to ask you about it, because I know with the early bird, like some people say, oh, yeah, do an early bird and then you've got a cut-off date, which is I think what you've mentioned with the tiered thing. And then I've, there's somebody else I know who runs events and they'll do like, yeah, so the first 20 people to book, get the early bird rate um, uh, but I like the fact that you've said like yeah the first 20 actually gets something extra that that does create that sense of oh, your fear of missing out you know like, oh yeah I want that as well so that, that's really good exactly advice. yeah thank you for that no that's great um, so what about marketing and promotion events like you've mentioned you need to be doing it you know at least a month or more in advance to actually get it out there um, and it can be difficult you know there's so much going on out there that you know, whether it's veg related events or events that are related to somebody's industry or that they're working in. Um, So I'm curious, what tips can you offer in terms of marketing and promoting your event?
1: So definitely, like I I mentioned before, starting early is really the best thing that you can do to give yourself enough time because it does take time for people to start finding out about it and then having those people tell their friends and to get the ball rolling, again, it, it takes a lot of work. Um, I always recommend having a plan for what you're going to do and when and to track things. So if your strategy is going to be to, um, to let's say, post on Facebook groups, you would want to keep track of which groups you've posted to and when so that you're not going and doubling up the work. This is especially important if you have multiple people working on the promotion. Uh, same thing with sending an email to a business. You wouldn't want to send an email to the same business twice, especially from two different people. It just does not look very professional. So tracking everything it does take more time, but it's really important to do that. And the most important, if you don't have the time to dedicate to promotion, because promotion can be a full-time job, especially if you're uh, if it's a new event, um, if if you don't have a lot of contacts, the best thing I can recommend doing is hiring someone. Right. Which is what I have finally done. Um, when I was in California planning all my own events, it was all me. And it was very, very difficult. And now with date, it's just impossible for me to do it all. So I do have someone that helps me with the promotion.
0: Got it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm just thinking as you're saying that what with all the kind of organizing all the event itself and then to do the marketing and the promotion on top of that, it can be very challenging. So no, that, that's good. So do you, in terms of the types of promotion, like are you finding social media is still like the best way, like creating a Facebook event, for example, um, is, is a good way to yeah get people to know about what you're doing?
1: Yes, definitely. Our Google Analytics show that we get the most traffic from Facebook out of anything else.:
0: Oh, cool. What more like paid ads or organic? or: uh, It's
1: mostly I organic. We actually tried the doing the paid ads. Uh, we spent quite a bit of money, and unfortunately, they were not successful. They brought more traffic to our website, but it did not convert into ticket sales.
0: Oh, okay. It's so, interesting.
1: yeah. Yes. So what, and, and also the, it's the number one place where we're, we're driving traffic and ticket sales. However, it's not directly from our Facebook page because our page is still pretty small. So what we do, um, is we post on Facebook groups and we reach out to people that way, which right. has been okay. very successful for us.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause you're kind of getting right in front of people who are open to hearing about what you've got. You're kind of going straight in front of your ideal market, I guess. So that's, oh, that's
1: exactly. And then, and then the other thing that has worked very well for us is our email list. So we're constantly working on building our email list. So we're trying to incentivize people to sign up for our email list. And right now, what we what we started implementing a, few, a couple of weeks ago is when you sign up for the newsletter, you get five dollars off your first event, and that has worked really well. Great. So our email yeah. list is growing. And then what what we do after is we send out emails um, to people in each city to promote the events directly, and that I would say is is the number one way that in which we sell the tickets through email.
0: Uh, yeah 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 no this is great fantastic what about facebook live i know you talked about you touched on live streaming of one of your events um so what are your thoughts on the whole kind of facebook live video and live streaming of the events because i guess i'm i can see why people do it but i'm kind of curious like don't people, like if people have paid and they've come along, but then if it's being live streamed, especially if it's live streamed for free, wouldn't the people who come along think, oh, well, I've paid, like why should I bother coming to the next one if they're going to live stream it? So what are your kind of thoughts on, on that process? I
1: mean, I don't personally do Facebook live videos because it, it just doesn't, I mean, some people use the Facebook live videos to promote an event. Right. And those types of videos, I think, are fantastic because I personally love watching videos. <laughs> so <laughs> I find that fun. Uh, for the live streaming, I did that uh, two years for the Vegan Iron shop event. It was live streamed. But the people who were at home that wanted to watch live had to pay.
0: OK, right, right. Yes. Yeah, so that would make sense. So for something like that, it's better to... I mean, obviously, I guess it would be a cheaper option for them because they're, you know, they're not... Or if they're person. not in
1: the... Right, or if they're not even in the same city or country, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. And do you find that that, like, in terms of... Offsetting the expense. So was it, what do you think live streaming can be worth? It? Because obviously you've got to pay for that all to be set up. Um, and so you've got to actually cover those costs and make sure you've got enough people paying to live stream. I guess it's a case of test and measure.
1: Right. I mean, it's ideally you would get it sponsored by companies so that they, they would cover the cost because yes, it does, it does um, add quite a bit of, of money um, because you have to hire the team to to admit, administer it and uh, there's a lot of back-end stuff so for me personally it wasn't really worth it for my event but I, I could see it working well for other events.
0: Yeah and that's great advice actually about getting things sponsored that's probably um, something worth touching on as well getting people involved in the event uh, on a sponsor or partner basis that you mentioned um, which can help to offset some of those costs as well as being a win obviously for the, the sponsor.
1: Definitely. And that's something that I, I, I have a lot of experience with is um, getting some career sponsors on board to really help out financially and also in kind.
0: Yeah, got it, got it. So let's talk a little bit about veg, uh, veg speed date. Um, so I believe you tested it out initially, um, in a more kind of informal way in a couple of cities. And then you've launched it on the current scale that you're doing it right now, which is amazing. So what kind of learnings did you get from doing that, which you're, yeah, I guess able to apply to the new venture?
1: Right. So actually how it started is when I was in San Francisco, um, I had friends telling me that they could not find any vegan men in the Bay Area and I thought, well, that's that's crazy. I mean, there's so many vegans in California, they they're there, we're gonna find them. And so I can that's how I came up with the idea of doing a speed dating event for vegetarians and vegans. And I've actually been doing those events there for five years. So they they were going on, you know, pretty much every three months for a good five years. Uh, and they were just small events that I did on the side just for the fun of it um, as, like, a nice little break from all the the big events that I was doing. I mean, I loved putting on these events because they were easy for me. They were fun. I got to meet great people. So it, it really took off there. And then I moved back uh, to Canada a year ago, and I decided I'm going to try hosting the events here. It's a much smaller town, much, much smaller But I thought I'm just gonna try it out and see how it goes. And they were very successful. And then I had to um come up with my next big idea. I knew that I didn't want to keep putting on the big events because I was just kind of done with that. It was a lot of work and I I couldn't really do that kind of thing here. So that's how I came up with Veg Speed Date. I just had the idea one day, I said, I'm going I'm gonna take Veg Speed Dating across North America and that's how that's how it started. So the idea was that we were going to have a bunch of events right the week before Valentine's Day. So that was like my vision. And I was successfully able to run 10 events over the course of five days all before Valentine's Day.
0: Wow. (laughs) That's making me feel exhausted just hearing you say that.
1: (laughs) It it was completely insane. I never (laughs) want to do it like that again, to be honest, because, it was all new, this whole concept of of running all these events in places that venues I had not seen, working with people I did not know, it was a huge amount of work. So, yeah, so some of them, you know, we started off with uh, 15 events, um, and then we had to cancel five of them because we just weren't able to sell enough tickets. And then, of course, we tried, um the following months, we tried different cities, we tried um we were kind of going on a rotation. So we're still experimenting right now, but there are definitely some cities that are taking off like really, really well. Uh, but again, we're still, you know, pretty early on and still trying to, to figure out, um, you know, where we should go next and, uh, and, you know, which avenues we should pursue.
0: Right. Right. Now you've touched on that because you said you as you say, at the moment you're based in Canada, but you're running these events in different cities across the, the U.S. Now I know that, you know, running a, an event in your local area can be challenging enough, let alone in, you know, in, across other cities. So where you're having, I guess, to travel as well yourself. So how are you making that work?
1: It is extremely challenging. Um, <laughs> basically, I mean, I just do a lot of research online. I ask people where they think would be a good venue to host an event. And then I reach out to tons and tons of venues and ask them if they're interested in hosting an event. And actually now I'm getting people reaching out to me asking if they can host an event there, which is fantastic. Oh, so, right. it's, it's, yeah, so it's starting to happen organically, which is a great feeling. So I don't go to all of these events because I just would not have the time to do so. So I hire people in each city to run the event for me. So okay. I provide, yes, I provide all the training before the event. We have a whole guide. It's very detailed. We do a group video training when we have multiple new hosts. Uh, we touch base a lot before the event. Uh, so I do all the work before and after the event, and then they show up and run the event for me.
0: Okay. I see that leads very nicely into my next question was going to be about which staff, um, if any, do you have to help you? So when you say you hire them, do you hire them more on a, like a contract, a freelance kind of contract basis rather than them Correct. being your employee? Yeah. Okay. Now that. Makes Correct.
1: Sense. Yes. So they, they are contractors. Uh, we pay them a flat, a flat rate. And we provide, we provide the training and it's, it's been working out really well. I've been very fortunate to have found amazing, amazing, dedicated people that do this because they love it and they really enjoy it. And, uh, it's, it's been fantastic. I had no idea what to expect. Of course, I did have a couple of people that didn't work out all great, but that's to be expected. But sure. overall, and because these people running the events, they're the face of that CD. date. They are representing us, and they really make or break the event. So it is crucial that we are really careful with the process of selecting the the right people for this kind of work.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Cause they're literally represent, as you say, representing your brand. So that makes sense. I'm just thinking then in terms of, and you know, just answer this however you feel comfortable. So in terms of, you know, you, you've hired someone to help you with the, the marketing and you've also, you, you say you're hiring someone to run the events in your city. So how is that? And then you've got the event, you know, the venue to pay and everything. I mean, is it breaking even or how quickly is it able to kind of at least break even or, uh, and then become profitable with something like this?
1: So because I have great skills, great negotiating skills, I am able to work out really, really good arrangements with the venues. And that's because I only partner with venues that really see the value in doing this. So we provide a lot of promotion to them, right? So even if someone doesn't go to the event, they find out about the event and then they find out about this venue. So it's great to partner with new businesses that are looking to uh, grow their audience and also businesses that maybe aren't as busy. So we have, we're still in the growing phase. There's still, you know, fortunately, our overhead isn't um, that high. And that is because um, my husband is also working with me on this full time. So we're both doing this full time and he's in charge of the whole technical side. So he's doing all the website. He's developed the whole matching software that we used for the event. So if we did not have him, our expenses would be much, much higher, oh, right?
0: Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. So he, cool. he does all of that. And then I do all the, all the events, uh, the logistics and the management. And then we have someone, a contractor that works for us like five to 10 hours per week handling all the social media.
0: Brilliant. What a, That's a great partnership. It's lovely when you can do that. If You've got a tech person in the family because I know that when we go through, my partner, and I go through like some of our tech expenses like, you know, web and software and this and that and that. It can really build up. So, that's um oh, that's Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: that's great. Definitely.
0: Excellent partnership. So, in regards to, let's talk, I always ask people this question about in regards to the use of the word vegan in their marketing um, and branding. Um, you use the word veg. So, tell us a little bit about... Your your choice or, or otherwise to use the word vegan or not and how prominently, um, yeah, in the current business?
1: Yeah, so for me, it's pretty easy because we only cater to vegetarians and vegans. We do not cater to anybody else. So for us, that's why we use the word veg and we have no uh, no concerns about that at all. So it works very well for what we are doing, but of course, it's completely different for other companies um, that have products and they're not sure whether or not they, they want to use the word vegan because, yes, there are a lot of different thoughts about that. So I'm glad that we don't have to uh, have that concern. And, uh, <laughs> and the reason why, uh, you know, we do vegetarian and vegans is just because if we were to just do vegan, it would close off the pool even more. So we're just not in a position to, to just have this open for vegans. And I do believe that it's, it's important to, to have the two groups, um, you know, to, to make it even a bigger pool because I mean, let's face it, there's, it's still a small percentage of people that are vegetarian or vegan. So
0: when it comes yeah. to
1: dating for us, you know, it, you have to have equal numbers of men and women. Uh, or pretty close to it, in order for the event to be really successful, right? An event would never work if there were fifteen women and two men, and that's why <laughs> that's why I have such a good reputation with these events is because I just do not run events if the numbers are like that. So I have had to cancel events where I just could not get enough of an equal ratio
0: right got it got it and it's good on it as well to get those two groups together because at least if someone's vegetarian they're part of the way there so if you throw them in with a bunch of vegans we can bring them over the line a little bit so exactly (laughs) <laughs> Fantastic. Now I noticed when I when I googled you, like I googled like veg speed dating and events, and you you popped up. Like some of your older like stuff that you did when you were back in San Francisco already popped up, and your, your new business popped up. So you're pretty much you know more or less on like you know Google page one. And so I'm kind of curious about any content marketing strategies that you use to um, yeah to maintain yourself on on Google and particularly on the first page of Google.
1: Right. I mean, there there isn't one specific thing, I would say. I mean, it's just about being consistent and having as much of a web presence as you can. Uh, we don't do any kind of like SEO or Google Ads or anything like that. It's really just from the social media and also from the ticketing system that we use. Uh, it's a company called Purple Path. So they are... They have, I think, pretty good SEO, and that's why a lot of our events pop up, um, you know, through their website as well. And, and of course, like, we, we tried really hard for the launch to get as much media, um, coverage as we could, and we were featured in Veg News, which was fantastic, um, Vegan Stories, Vegan Lifestyle Magazine. So all, all those things combined, I think, is, is what's really helped us, and because we are indeed the only ones doing this to this scale, there are lots of uh, vegan singles events across North America, but there is no other like speed dating company dedicated to vegetarians and vegans
0: great yeah and it's always good <clears throat> you mentioned you know just from a media coverage perspective it's always really good to be the first in doing anything it's always a great angle and the media love that so um yeah. you found that that's that's been helpful for you in terms of generating interest or either around your brand um if not getting ticket sales
1: definitely
0: yeah Fantastic. Cool. And that's great. Um, so what else was I going to ask you? So yeah, what have been the key lessons you've learned through well, I guess through event planning in general, but also through what you've been doing with Veg speed Date.
1: Right, and, and I know that we you had we had talked about this before is how I I've I've flip flopped back and forth between, you know, being employed, being self employed, and then being employed again. <laughs> So it's, it's really, you really want to consider what the best choice is for you because running your own business has many perks, but it is a lot of work, which yeah. I did not anticipate when I first started my business. I thought, you know, that it, it would be fun. I'd have like tons of flexibility, which you do. But the reality is that it is often more work than a regular nine to five job.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad you've said that because, you know, we kind of sold this sort of quote dream by, you know, some of the big marketers of like, oh, you just get to lie on the beach and do a few hours work a day (laughs) and earn tons of money. And the actual reality is it's like, yeah, not so much. So I I, I totally understand what you say. I'm sometimes up and I've said this on the podcast, but sometimes till one, two in the morning. I mean, I love it and I love what I do. And like you said, there is that flexibility, you know, I can then get up a bit later in the next day and what have you. But I think it's good for people to hear that, that, you know, you do want to be absolutely sure that you want to do this because, and not just do it because you think, oh, great, I can work fewer hours and, you know, be my own boss and exactly. rock up when I want to. That, yeah, there's often a lot more hours, uh, especially in the beginning as well. So, yeah, oh, I yeah. Think, <laughs> I'm glad you shared that. Yeah, you don't, you
1: don't have the steady income. It's much harder to take vacation. You, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of hard to shut off your mind because you're always thinking about your business like seven days in a week, right? It's hard. It's really hard not to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so in terms of, um, veg speed day, um, Karen, what can you share about us? Like, where are you going to go with it? Um, anything you want to share in terms of your long-term vision or future plans?
1: Yes. I, I'm glad you asked because we do have some very exciting things in store that will be revealed in the next couple of months. We will still be doing the speed dating events, but we will also be offering a variety of different events for veg singles um, and which will be inclusive to all. So LGBTQ, um, hetero, uh, lots of really, really exciting events and something else that I will keep uh, that I will not reveal right away but definitely uh, a lot will change in in the next few months and we really are are striving to become the the number one destination and service for veg singles all over the world
0: all over the world fantastic so we're looking looking globally as well as um in the US and Canada yes yeah. Awesome. Well, what we'll do is when when that happens, um, Karen, if you let me know, and um, I'll include it in as one of the news roundups um, so that we can oh, keep perfect. everybody in the loop. And of course, you can go on to, to your website where we'll put a link to that in the show notes page, where you can actually sign up as well um, to keep abreast of what you're doing. So, so this has been yes. fantastic. You've shared some wonderful tips, especially around yeah the event planning. I've got a few little tips that you've uh, you've mentioned there. I particularly love the um, you know incentivizing people to buy their tickets early and not necessarily just with an early bird rate but perhaps if there's something extra you can offer the first 10 or the first 20 people I really like that so you've shared some great tips I love what you're doing we've got such a unique service with the veg speed date and looking forward to hearing uh yes your plans about how that's growing um in the future so thank you so much for coming on the show Karen it's been a pleasure yes
1: thank you so much for having me.
0: So that was Karen Brighton of Veg Speed Date. You can find out more at VegSpeedDate.com. And that link is on the show notes page at veganbusinessmedia.com forward slash podcasts and going to episode 81. Now for our vegan business news roundup. The market for cruelty-free cosmetics is increasing as more people rail against animal testing, according to a new report by Market Research Future. The report Global Cruelty-Free Cosmetics Market Research Report, forecast till 2023, also found that one of the major drivers for this market is those people who are seeking out natural alternatives such as plant-based personal care products. Europe has the major market share in the global cruelty-free cosmetics category, followed by Asia-Pacific. Among the key players profiled are Inica Organic in Australia and Spectrum Collections in the UK, which recently announced a collaboration with Paramount Pictures for the launch of its range of cruelty-free makeup brushes inspired by the movie Mean Girls. It's so good to see consumers becoming more aware of the truth behind cosmetics and demanding cruelty-free products. Well, that's worth pointing out, though, that some cruelty-free certifications don't necessarily mean the product is vegan. At the upcoming VegFest UK trade show in October this year, that's 2017 if you're listening in the future, one of the panel discussions I'm hosting in the business support room is on certifications and there's also a vegan body care pavilion area which will showcase vegan personal care products and cosmetics. I think it's really important to continue to raise awareness around not just animal testing, but also inclusion of animal ingredients in these types of products and how unnecessary it is. Electric car company Tesla announced recently that it's eliminated leather as an option for all its car seats, reports Electric. While the company isn't emblazoning the word vegan on its website, all mention of leather in regards to the seats has disappeared. Instead, the durable synthetic material is referred to as Tesla's premium designation. Now, at the moment, the steering wheel wrap comes in leather as standard with a vegan option on request. But given that Elon Musk is a smart guy and he's passionate about the environment, as well as obviously being open to suggestion, let's hope that leather is eliminated completely from the range. I actually tweeted him this week, (laughs) praising him for the bold move in regards to the seats and requesting that the company do the same with the steering wheel wrap. I don't know if I'll get a reply. I'll let you know if I do. And feel free to send a nice, polite tweet yourself. You never know. Finally, animal agriculture companies need to evolve because alternative proteins, including plant-based and cultured products, will become a significant component of the global food system, according to the global head of agribusiness at the New Zealand branch of international finance company KPMG. Ian Proudfoot posted a blog on his LinkedIn platform after a recent visit to Silicon Valley, where he was impressed by the plant-based products he tried, including Ripple's chocolate pea milk, which he said was as good as any organically produced traditional cow dairy chocolate milk I have tasted. Proudfoot noted that there's more room for innovation in the alternative proteins market, particularly for those who can make these products available to mainstream consumers at significantly lower prices than the current players in this market who are focusing on more affluent consumers who are prepared to pay a premium for ethical and sustainable products. Proudfoot also said that while the trend for large animal agriculture companies such as Danone and Tyson buying up plant-based companies would continue, smaller operators would also play an important part in the alternative proteins market. He ended his blog post by saying the committed entrepreneur starting up in a garage with a desire to change the world, or maybe a hired kitchen in this case, still has the opportunity to reshape how the whole world eats. So that's good news for those of you who own food-based vegan businesses, particularly if you've got a product or even an idea for something unique. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave it a review and rating on iTunes or any other platform you're listening on. Finally, I encourage you to head over to veganbusinessmedia.com where you can find more resources, including details of my media and PR consultations, copywriting, editing and proofreading services to help you grow your vegan business. I'm Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business, and I look forward to catching up with you in the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.